What is up, candy fam? Welcome to this episode of Best Candy Ever with me, your host, Renee, aka Bassdrop Princess. Today, I have a very, very special guest. I actually had met her, um, I think it's about two times now, but the last time I actually saw um, my good friend was Escape of last year. Yeah. She, she always brings the most positive vibes and is honestly the definition of a great person as well as a nice everyday raver that you would meet. Not only is she super friendly, but she is also an influencer and also a beautiful EDM fashion model. So without further ado, please welcome Blissful Al, aka Brianna. Hey. <laughs> hey. Welcome to Best Candy Ever. Thank you so much for being on here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. Uh, it's honestly kind of been a minute since I've gotten to just kind of like dress up and really just kind of talk about, you know, EDM and candy. And so I'm excited for the episode. <laughs> yes, me too. Thank you so much for being on here. Um, with everything that's been going on, how how have you been? What have you been up to? Um, I mean, when quarantine first hit, it was, you know, really hard and kind of disappointing to find out, you know, that everything was being canceled. Um, but I feel like we just kind of kept like a positive attitude, um, especially with, you know, EDC and how they had postponed it until October. And so we just kind of thought, you know, oh, it's going to happen. We're going to be there. Um, but we've just been keeping busy uh, working and doing different things. And I have started to go to drive-in raves now. So that's kind of my new thing. And it's definitely a lot of fun. So those are what I'm kind of looking forward to now. <laughs> oh, wow. That is so awesome. Um, which, which, one, which ones have you been to? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So the first one that I went to was actually the EDM drive-in and it was held in San Antonio, Texas uh, a couple of months ago. And it was the first drive-in that this um, company had actually put together. And so I thought they did a really good job. Um, you know, of course, they followed all of the guidelines and everybody, you know, had a really like safe experience with it. And they actually did it so well and they had so much fun doing it that they're actually having another EDM drive-in. They're calling it EDM drive-in volume two. And it's actually going to be on Halloween in San Antonio, Texas again. Um, so I have, and then I have some other smaller EDM drive-ins planned uh, in the next couple of days, actually. <laughs> oh, wow. That is so awesome. Did, um, so do you have, a, or since you live in Texas, right? Are yeah. there, are there a lot of big uh, companies that are throwing these EDM drive-in raves or is it, are you going to like different uh, states to attend different ones? So I'm trying to, you know, not travel as much and kind of just stay a little bit safer that way. So the ones that I'm going to are in Texas and Disco Donnie is actually the one who um, is doing a lot of the shows that I'm going to. The one that I was talking about in a few days, that one's actually Disco Donnie. Um, and then we have another one that's happening in Austin. Uh, and that one's not a Disco Donnie. It is 
the same people that did, um, I'm trying to think of the name of it. I can't, I can't think of the name of it, but it's, it's mostly disco Donnie. He's kind of the majority of like South Texas. <laughs> oh, nice. So, um, with, with the drive-in raves, are, are people still like plurring and trading candy? Um, I was just wondering about that because I know that with raving, obviously trading is a big deal and it's definitely one of the things that brings us closer together. Do people still trade or like do like a distance type trade where they just like kind of throw it at you and they're like, here you go. Or is it, is it different or people, are people just not trading at all? Or are they just like trading at the bathrooms where there is no social distancing? Yeah. Um, well, the EDM drive-in that I went to was in San Antonio, and I feel like the you know EDM kind of rave scene in San Antonio is just such a new kind of concept for that area that nobody there really even had candy or had it with them. Um, and I think everybody's still kind of keeping to themselves as far as like the social distancing. Um, but I did see that um, at some of the drive-ins, people are still able to trade candy and they're just kind of doing germex um, afterwards. <laughs> so that's always kind of an option. Are you serious? That is so funny. Yeah. I I actually love that they like sanitize the candy. Uh, usually I like sanitize the hell out of mine when I get home from a rave where if I, you know, had just gone to the bathroom or something, I usually just like wipe it down real quick just because I feel like all these little particles are all over and you don't know exactly where those candies have been. But I'm really yeah. glad to hear that they're taking that initiative to, uh, you know, disinfect their candies. I think that's really good. Um, so tell us about one of the candies that you're wearing. Uh, I see that you have this yeah. really cool necklace on and I'm really curious about it. Yeah, so this um, this one's actually like pretty special. It, it brings up a really cool memory. Um, so my sister actually made this, um, and at the time, you know, when we were kind of looking at how to get a Timmy trumpet, I guess um, perler, we actually couldn't find anything online. So she actually pretty much made this perler um, without, you know, a stencil or anything like that. Um, and the really cool thing about it was that we took it to EDC three years ago and my husband, Michael, actually wore this and went up to Timmy Trumpet and Timmy Trumpet had played on an art car. And so he went up to the art car and basically got on somebody's shoulders and lifted this up and somebody on the art car picked it up from him. And then Timmy Trumpet wore it for his entire set on the art car. And then um, we tried to get him to sign it, but nobody had a pen or anything at the time. Um, but he did toss it back to my husband. So now, you know, we have it. So I thought that's a really cool memory. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. So for those that are just listening, um, Brianna, can you like kind of describe what exactly how this um, perler and candy looks for those people that are just listening that don't really have this visual? Oh, um, so it's uh, it it just says Timmy on it, and then underneath it, it has like a little uh, symbol of a trumpet. <laughs> Yeah, and that is just super cute. I'm actually not super familiar with this artist. Is this more like, uh, or what genre would you say this artist is? 
Um, you know what? I don't know. I feel like he's kind of a little bit of everything because, you know, one second he'll kind of play like a big house song. And then the next minute he kind of gets down with some dubstep. So he's really all over the place. We actually discovered him the very first year that we went to Tomorrowland. And he's actually from Australia. And we got to hear him on the main stage at Tomorrowland. And he literally plays a trumpet. Um, and so, you know, we just thought that was a really cool aspect that he just kind of brought in something that was different. Yeah, no, that's so great. I, I really love when artists, um, like kind of showcase or kind of show that they play instruments, not just create or produce on a computer. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just think that it's, it's like that extra talent that they have, or it's like a really awesome surprise. Does he include a lot of the, well, I'm guessing he does include a lot of the trumpet in a lot of his songs, if that's like his main thing. Yeah, he does. He'll usually, um, you know, kind of, he's, he's the type of DJ where he'll get up on top of the, you know, DJ decks and stuff, and he'll stand up there and he'll play the trumpet to kind of start out the song and then he'll hop down and then kind of also include it in his music as well. Oh, that's so great. I think that's kind of like like Sullivan King and how he plays guitar or like Porter Robinson and the drums. Uh, I think that that's just so awesome. Or even like, um, what's that one, that one girl that plays? Um, Lindsay Sterling with the violin. I think that's just oh, yeah. super dope, which is really cool. That's so awesome that he like even um, like took it and like wore it for a little bit and then like handed yeah. it down to you guys. Yeah, we were worried for a second that maybe we wouldn't get it back, but <laughs> I still think that would have been cool because, you know, if you if you go look at any of the videos or photos that were taken, he was wearing it pretty much during the entire set. So it's still really cool, even if he did keep it, to say, you know, that's our perler, but he did give it back. So <laughs> that was a plus. <laughs> yeah, I know. That is so awesome. Um, I see people with, um, who was it? I think it was like seven lines, but I've seen... I've seen him rock like one of the, like a perler with, you know, the seven lines logo on it. Mm-hmm. Also, I think, um, who was it? I want to say it was like either Bass Nectar. I forget who it was, but one of those logos and um, like you could tell that like a fan gave it to them. And I just think it's so awesome when artists are like so for it for the art that their fans created in return for their art, you know, cause it's kind of like yeah. this cool, like little exchange, um, as well, which I really, really love. So that is so great. Um, see stories like that just makes me so happy because it just shows that like, there is a, like a, a human being behind the artist, you know, it's not like this like big celebrity thing. We're like, I'm too good for the candy, you know? Yeah. So that's so which, like- cool makes me sad when sometimes we would go to shows and they would say that candy was banned. Did you ever go to a show that said that? Yeah, actually hard summer. It was hard summer 2015. It was my very first hard summer. They actually made that one of the rules was no candy was allowed. And this was hard summer in Pomona at the Fairplex. And it was banned because they didn't want it to come off as a rave which I thought was oh. <laughs> really, really strange. I don't know why, but that was the only one where candy wasn't allowed. 
Yeah, I've been I've been to a couple and from what I heard, it was the specific DJ that was not allowing candy um, because the story was that somebody at some point had like shot a piece of, you know, like pulled it back and shot it at him and it hit him in the face. And so I think it just kind of discouraged him from it. And so from then on, he w- he wouldn't allow um, the candy at his shows. And I can't remember who the specific DJ was, but... That's so strange. I've never heard of that. I mean, <laughs> the, I mean, I could see why it could definitely be like liability or it can be uh, harmful and, you know, maybe even ruin the show if something were to happen, let's say whoever gets hit in the eye. But the, I mean, the closest I've even got, gotten to hitting an artist with a candy was um, Datsik like five years ago. But even then it was like, like this far away from him. But even then, I don't think anything super serious would have came out of it. But I can, I can understand why candy can be banned. But at the same time, no, because usually the crowd, I feel like is so far from the DJ booth, even then. But if it's like an, at an art car or a club or et cetera, et cetera, I think, sure, there, there is that possibility. But I think that that's just one of the unfortunate incidents um, that, you know, has happened resulting in that type of, that type of strange rule, you know? Yeah. And you think that's not something that we do with it. You know what I mean? We're not normally pulling it back and tossing it at people. So. Right. It's normally handed off, you know, through this great handshake. So that just kind of, (laughs) kind of, uh, was strange. So, um, Brianna, can you tell us like how long you've been raving for? Um, so my first rave was EDC when they actually had it in Dallas. It was the last year that they had it in Dallas. It was in 2010. Um, and so I've been, we're at, um, you know, 2020. So I've been raving for 10 years and, you know, it's a, it's a big part of my life. It's, it's everything that I do. It, it actually introduced me to my husband and it's something that we share that we do together and we enjoy it. And we love, you know, traveling and going to all the, the different raves and, and we really kind of embrace all the different kinds of music as well. Um, you know, I have my favorites of course, but I'm really not, uh, opposed to, going to a rave just because it's a certain genre. I I just like all music and all raving and I just love everything about it. Yeah, that's so awesome. I I I really love hearing that. I I'm kind of the same way. I I definitely prefer um dubstep and like heavier bass music for sure, but I'm not opposed to going to like an all something festival. For example, Dream State, I think um, would be super fun. I actually do like trance and would be willing to go down to, uh, or go to dream say, I think that would be cool. Or even like DEF CON, cause I do love hard style as well. So I think that, um, those types of festivals are just super cool. And I feel like whenever it is just an all one genre festival, I think that there is definitely a lot more passion and there's, I feel like the people that are there are hardcore, like diehard fans, you know, they're usually um, super amped. And usually that's, that's one of their most favorite genres ever. And just being around that energy, I think just, just is just contagious. And I think is just something that 
um, a lot of people uh, need to experience. And in a sense, that's kind of what raving is, right? It's just a group of people that love electronic dance music just coming together. And then within that, it's just broken down into different groups. And I don't know, I just think it's just so great and it's something that everyone needs to um, experience, whether it be like an all genre festival that you do like or love or something that you kind of like, but aren't super, super 100% passionate about, but are still willing to go and explore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And and I totally agree with, you know, that everybody needs to experience it once. We've definitely um, not, not really like talked our friends into it because we just talk about it and just, you know, how much fun we have and all the things and the experiences and every part of it. And people just want to come, you know, that have never been before. And so it's always really fun kind of getting some friends or, or even family to go with you and to get to kind of experience what we see and, and hear and, and just the way that we feel when we're there. And it's just something really special and very cool to share with people. I know that a couple, let's see, it was three years ago. Yeah. Three years ago for Halloween, we actually finally got my parents to go to a rave and oh that was something. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. How awesome. Yeah. That was something that was really cool, you know, because we've been sitting here raving for you know, 10 years and my parents would just hear about it all the time, you know, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Well, we're going to go to another rave. <laughs> so to finally kind of get them to go. And I think the the rave that we picked was actually really perfect for my family, just because my parents have always kind of been really into having costume parties and dressing up. And so Halloween was an easy festival to take them to. And we took them to something wicked, which was in Houston, Texas. And uh, so it was really easy because, you know, they didn't really get to uh, have to dress up with so much of like the rave kind of attire. Um, they got to just do more of the Halloween and just dress up for Halloween. And so we kind of just came up with a theme as a family and we all decided that we were going to be Disney villains. And so my dad was Hook and my mom was Maleficent and my husband's mom even joined us as well. And she was Cruella DeVille. And oh I mean, God, they I really, yeah, they really just had a great time. You know, they, they dressed up and, and they got to go around and, and everybody, I mean, everybody loved them, you know, cause they could tell that they were, and they were an older crowd. And as soon as they found out that they were our parents, uh, oh, oh, everybody was buying them free drinks at the bar and shots. And I mean, we, oh, <laughs> me that and my is husband, so freaking cool. Yeah, me and my husband were over here having to pay for everything and we look over and they've got three free drinks in their hands. So everybody just really had a great time and showed them a great time. And I'm pretty sure they got a little drunk towards the end of the night. And uh, that's honestly probably the first time I've even seen my parents drunk. So they had a really good time and they enjoyed the music. Uh, we did ask them if they would go again and they said no, but <laughs> they were glad. And they said that they were glad that they got to go and kind of you know, experience what we do and, and why we enjoyed it. And I think they could kind of really see why we like it so much. So that was a really cool experience. Yeah. I was about to ask what kind of music do, do they listen to or did they grow up listening to? My parents? Yeah. So they actually, um, and I kind of grew up listening to it as well. We listened to like smooth jazz 
Oh, and, really? <laughs> um, yeah, and um, piano and um, kind of like, I guess, I, I feel like it's kind of different kind of music. It's, you know, smooth jazz is different, piano. And then uh, we would even listen to like steel drum type music with guitars and, and um, things like that. So uh, I think, you know, the electronic music was something different, but I think they've always just been really good at accepting the different kinds of music, um, you know, because we didn't really grow up listening to, you know, rock or pop or kind of those those more, um, I guess, like bigger kind of genres of music. We always kind of listen to like the smaller, different type of music. So, yeah, I think that they just listen to a completely different caliber of music. Something that was just, it, it sounds like it, I don't want to say simple because I know for sure it's not simple, but I feel like it's not something that's not as, I guess, played with on a computer. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Basically, it's not it's not electronic or has those electronic vibes, but I'm sure that, you know, you have to do some type of, uh, you know, whether it's reverb or, or whatever on the computer with, um, you know, like audio uh, producing. But that's that's so insane that they actually were willing to go with you and were open to to, to, you know, running around and having fun and to the, the whole culture. Were, were you a little worried, like, bringing them to a rave? Or were you like, I got to warn you, this is kind of what happens? <laughs> um, I mean, we did kind of, you know, let them know. Um, and, and not really, I guess, about the bad things. But I think we just kind of put it as, you know, people come and they have fun. And sometimes they have too much fun. <laughs> and, you know, you might get somebody that's, you know, comes up to you and they might be really drunk or they might have had too much to drink. Um, but, you know, that that didn't really happen. And there really wasn't any, um, I guess, like negative or bad things that happened. And that goes for anybody that was at the festival uh, we didn't see anybody having to be taken out by, um, you know, the EMTs or anything like that. So I think we got really lucky. And um, I think, you know, my parents weren't really looking for that. And I feel like sometimes when we go to festivals and we've been there for so long and so many, uh, you know, we've seen so many different things. I feel like sometimes when we see something that's out of the ordinary, we notice it more because uh, it could, you know, spark like a concern in our eyes. But for them, I think they were just so overwhelmed with everything that was happening um, that it was just, everything was just cool and neat and special. Um, at one point, I remember my mom and my dad, We they sat down uh, in a circle and this girl was in the middle of the circle and she had a fiber whip and she was just literally kind of just whipping around her body. And my mom just sat down and was watching it and just thought it was, you know, the coolest thing. And, you know, she didn't notice it, but I noticed that probably half of the people that were sitting at that circle were barely even kind of looking at the fiber whip girl because they were so lost. Their eyeballs were in the back of their head. But see, my mom didn't notice that, you know, she was just watching the girl with the fiber whip and she thought that that was the coolest thing ever. And then when the girl saw my mom and came up and started, you know, putting the whip around her and around her body and my mom just thought it was the coolest thing she'd ever seen. So <laughs> that was another cool memory. 
from that night. That's so cool. I'm so glad that she enjoyed um, like a flow art. I think that whenever people do see a flow art for the first time, it's always, um, I, I feel like it's always magical. Like the first time I saw somebody um, with uh, like poi or um, even even those whips, the whip I thought was insane. And it's so much harder than it looks too. So um, I can't, I can only imagine like how your mom felt uh, watching that. And I think that you're, you're absolutely right in terms of like being there for the first time and not really noticing whatever chaos is around. Because I remember my first ray, which was EDC uh, 2011. I don't remember a single thing going wrong. I don't remember anyone getting her, um, you know, being carried out on a stretcher or, or whatever. It was just so much to take in and absorb that I think that it was just something that, like, my brain just completely blocked out. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I agree with with you um, because the same thing happened with me when I was at EDC my first year, 2010. Uh, I was with my sister and all I remember was just, you know, wow, this is, this is something that I want to be a part of. This is something that I want to, you know, continue to do and just seeing the lights and the lasers and the rides. I mean, everything was just amazing and special. And it seemed like something, you know, that I definitely never seen before. Um, and I, you know, wanted to continue to see it. And, but of course, like I said, I, I didn't notice any, um, you know, of the negative things that were happening and and come to find out later on in the news, two kids actually died that year. Uh, they they snuck in underage and um, they dry, they they passed away at the show. And you know there there were apparently EMTs and ambulances everywhere. and we didn't even notice did didn't even see it. I mean, and we were there the entire night. So um, it's just something that, you know, I think, like I said, the, the more you go, the more you notice. And it's not a bad thing. I, th- I think it's a good thing, you know, because sometimes we need to kind of be more aware of our surroundings. And um, because it's so easy for somebody to just kind of slip through the cracks and, and you think that, you know, their friend group is is checking on them. And, and you might look over in the grass at EDC and next thing you know, you know, somebody's passed out and you might think that they're sleeping. But sometimes we got to remember to just check on them and make sure everybody's having a safe, good time. Yes, 100%. I think that it's so important to even, even you okay? Like, I think that can make the biggest difference in terms of saving a life or even just helping someone have a, a better a better time. Uh, I remember my friend Timmy and I, when we were at Escape, I think it was like 2017, we saw... We saw some Asian kid on the ground with like a fan fanning himself and he was by himself. And I was like, we should ask this guy if he's okay. And he like started throwing up. And my friend Timmy and I were like, dude, like, are you all right? Like, where are your friends? Where are you by yourself? And I just remember him being like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. But clearly he wasn't. But eventually, uh, like we got that vibe that he just did not want our help. And we were just like, okay, like, like, and sorry. Oh, basically what we did was we just like offered him water, asked him if he was okay. And then he just reassured us that he was all right. And then after he threw up, he seemed completely fine. 
But I feel like if you were that person throwing up by yourself, like out for the world to see behind a tent, I think that you would want some compassion or even some acknowledgement of your bad time that you're currently having. But anyways, I think even stuff like that, I think can um, can help and is just a great way to to spread the love and the plur. And even if we weren't at a rave, I feel like that's something that you should still do, you know, as a good human being. Yeah, exactly. So um, I know that you've been uh, raving for a long time. Do you have any other candies that you want to share with us? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, this this is a, a cuff that I received at um, my first yeah. EDC in Las Vegas, and uh, it it's it's special to me because it it really kind of created what is my Instagram name, which is the Blissful Owl. Um, so I was at the main stage, and I was with my husband and my little sister. And this girl came up to me and I did not know who she was at all. I'd never, you know, seen her before. And she just came up to me and, you know, she said, do you want to trade candy? And at this time I was still not really into kind of making candy or, um, I barely had any candy on me. And I said, yeah, let's, you know, let's trade. And I just gave her just a single piece of candy because that's all I had at the time. And then she, you know, hands me this. And I had never been given a cuff before or even really like seen one that big for that matter either. And she handed it to me. And I just, you know, remember saying, are you sure? You know, I just gave you a single or are you sure you want to give me this, uh, you know, this big cuff? And she said, no, this, I can feel like this is yours. This needs to be yours. And, you know, I looked at it and instantly it just has owls of different colors all over it. And I told her, you know, how did you know that I liked owls? And she said, I didn't. I just, you know, I just felt like this needed to be yours. And so that's kind of, you know, I... I just felt like that was kind of like a sign, and yeah, um, that's insane. Because I, this, I, this I like owls, met, right? Yeah, yeah. I've never met this person, and you know, I, I, I like owls. It's something that I just kind of uh, incorporate into some of my decorating and stuff at work. I uh, decorate with <laughs> different owls, and um, so when she gave it to me, yeah, I just thought it was kind of crazy um, that she didn't know me, and. Uh, it was, it was like, she just kind of felt that this belonged to me. And so I thought that that was really cool. And do I, I, I can't tell you her name. I don't remember her name because it was literally just a, you know, hi, how are you? You want to trade? And then she just, I lost her in the crowd. So I didn't get any of her, you know, information online to be able to keep in touch with her, but it is still special. Like I said, because it was my first cuff because after I received this cuff is when I started to teach myself how to make cuffs because I wanted to be, you know, that next person to be able to give somebody something like this when all they had is just a single, because I feel like you get to create that memory with somebody and they're going to remember that, you know, you gave this to them, whether they remember your name or not, they're going to remember that, you know, you gave them something extra special when they might've only just given you a single piece of candy. So 
Yeah. And um, real quick, because I know you, you said this was your, your first cuff. Um, can you describe this cuff? Because this, I think, is so intricate and beautifully done that I don't think uh, just showing it does it justice. If you can just like like describe yeah. this in detail. Yeah, it's a um, uh, it's it's a triple layered cuff, and on the inside it has red and green beads, and then on the outside she had attached little owls uh, that were made out of perlers, and each owl is a different color, and the owls completely cover and go all the way around the outside of the cuff. Which is freaking nuts! I've never seen a a perler like that before, where or sorry, a candy cuff where it's perlered all around, where it's just completely decked out. I'm so used to seeing a giant cuff and then either like a little small, like, uh, what is it? Like a little... Um, Toy. Thing. Yeah, like an accent perler to mm-hmm. just give it the little oomph, or it's usually like a big ass perler to to really <laughs> make it stick out. So I think that was just really kind and really sweet that she gave you this this cuff that was just so perlered out and... Uh, from my understanding, you guys didn't even really talk for that long, right? Like she just decided to uh, give that to you after you gave her a, a single candy. Yeah, yeah. She just came up to me and and said something about how she liked my outfit and she thought I was beautiful. And then you know she just asked, "Do you want to trade?" And I gave her the single. I said, "This is you know all that I have are singles." And then she pulls this out of her backpack and says, you know, I, I think, I feel like this is yours and I feel like you need this. And, um, and then we, you know, chatted for a little bit after that. And then she, she said, you know, I got to go back to my boyfriend. And then I lost her in the crowd and that was it, but still a very special memory. I absolutely love, 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 uh, interactions like that. I think that it's so cool, especially since, yeah, like you said, you don't even remember her name, but you remember that candy. And I hope if maybe if she's watching the show that she recognizes the candy and was like, hey, that was the girl from EDC. Like I gave it to her. She looked really pretty. And I think that would, would be so cool. I mean, I think that's like my dream is that um, long lost candy connections and people kind of like find each other. I think that would be so awesome. But uh, I'm just so glad that you had a, a great time and that candy kind of represented what what it was like and just the kindness and the love that you felt from a complete stranger yeah exactly yeah it kind of um and like I said it, it kind of just started me on that path of learning how to create cups and make candy for myself because like I said I I wanted to be that you know next person who got to you know give something like a cuff to somebody who was like me, who didn't know, you know, that much about candy or was still kind of a candy newbie, I guess. And, um, so that kind of, I guess, leads me into my next piece. This was a cuff that I created and I, um, so it's just a double layered cuff. It's purple and gray. (laughs) And then the toy is, um, this adorable little blue dragon with pink wings. And the reason why I put this on here was because I had made this cuff for Middlelands. And so I felt like it kind of just fit the theme, um, for Middlelands with kind of the dungeon and dragons type thing. 
Um, and so it's not, you know, the best made cuff, <laughs> but uh, it's still special, like I said, because it was the first cuff that I made and I was not into making perlers at the time. So connect, uh, just kind of putting this toy on the front, on the front was just kind of a cute way to add a little something special and a, a little something extra to it. That is so freaking cute. I absolutely just love the the colors that you use too, like pearl, or not pearl, sorry, purple, blue, and teal. That's just totally my jam. Uh, how long did it take you to to learn how to, to, to make a cuff? So I was basically just watching videos on YouTube. <laughs> and once you kind of have the initial or the first layer of the cuff down, um, then adding on to the second layers are really not that difficult. And I, I feel like, you know, the more you just kind of do it and the more practice that you have, the faster you can get at it. Um, this, this cuff probably, uh, took me, I don't know, about an hour and a half. Um, but I, I've, I've definitely made some more intricate cuffs that have more layers and they've taken me upwards of four hours sometimes to make. Oh, wow. And it's, it's just so beautiful. I have actually never attempted to make a cuff, uh, just because I'm not patient enough, but that is just so dope. So you made that one, right? Did you make that one for yourself or were you like planning on giving it to somebody or were you like, this is, this is my new. Well, yeah. So the story behind it is that I, I made this one for me, but I actually made four matching cuffs and they were a little bit different um, in their color. And I had picked out different um, dragon um, toys to go on them. And I had made them because when I went to Middlelands, I actually got asked to go to Middlelands as an I Heart Raves unicorn. And so, oh my gosh, no way! Was, yeah, that was a a really uh, you know fun experience for me. And I wanted to do something special for the other unicorns that were there with me. And so I made this cuff and then the other matching cuffs. And I gave each one of the unicorns that came with me one of the cuffs. And then we actually wore them on one of the days together, so we could kind of take pictures with them. And so we all had something to kind of remember from being unicorns together at the show. That is so freaking cool. You're, you're just so sweet to, to think about making everybody in the whole group a cup. I think that is such, it's such a kind gesture, but also stuff like that definitely takes a lot of time. Um, did you know the, the girls in the I Heart Unicorns, I Heart Raiders Unicorns group? prior or did you guys just like all meet for the first time at uh, Middlelands? Yeah. So this was actually the first time that I was chosen to be a High Heart Raves Unicorn. And so we did not know each other at all. The head unicorn knew one of the other um, fellow unicorns. But other than that, whenever you, you know, get asked to be a unicorn, usually um, they, they pick girls who do not know each other um, because it's just kind of part of the experience is, you know, getting to come into a rave and not knowing this group of people and then you get to come out of it and you have you know some of your best friends coming out of it I, I I've definitely made really good friends by being unicorns and I've kept in touch with a lot of them 
even though, you know, some of us will be totally across on different sides of the, you know, country, we'll still keep in touch and we'll even fly to see each other and meet up at shows. Um, so it, it's a, it's a really cool experience and it's something, you know, that I would definitely recommend. I know it, we aren't doing it right now because there aren't any festivals, but if you've never been an iHeartRaves unicorn and it, it is something that you would like to do, I would definitely recommend that you do it. Yeah. And for those that don't know, can you kind of explain what an iHeartRaves unicorn is exactly and what you guys do? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if you don't know iHeartRaves, but iHeartRaves is, is a really big um, rave clothing company and they... Uh, what what they do is they choose a group of people, and it can be boys and girls, um, and usually it's between three and four people, and they will um, choose them to go to the festival, and you're there to kind of, um, you know, you're there to kind of promote for iHeart Raves, but they also send you, you know, to have a good time and... Um, you know, share your experience with people afterwards. Um, and so it's something that I've actually done a couple of times and I've actually become pretty close with the iHeartRaves team themselves. And they're just a group of amazing girls and, you know, everything that they've done and how long they've been in the raving community is just really impressive altogether. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's so great that uh, a big brave company um, such as themselves uh, is willing to give a group of uh, people an experience that they'll never forget um, while getting to, uh, you know, promote the brand, but also getting a chance to explore and get out of their comfort zone. I think you're pretty much uh, forced to uh, be outside of, uh, of your comfort zone because you're, like you said, you're, basically with a group of people that you don't really know and you have to be with them for several hours at a festival. And some, some people I think have a hard time with that. And when you put yourself in that situation, you have no choice. You just have to, to go through it and basically make friends and just, just get out there. There's sometimes you, you can't really live without taking a risk. And I think that's so awesome that you were able to, to do that and explore and have fun. And I feel like in a sense, it might've even opened up a whole bunch of doors for you uh, doing that. Yeah, it, it, it really did because, um, you know, like I said, I, I became really good friends with the girls that work at iHeartRave and promote for them. And so <clears throat> I've had, you know, several opportunities to do different things for them, um, you know, promoting wise and, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm really just kind of proud of them as a company now, um, because I know that they are trying to do, you know, everything that they can to make sure that they're showing everybody that, um, you know, that they're kind of all inclusive because I do know that that is something that, you know, is kind of coming around in the rave community more now. And so it's something that, you know, they, they are working on. Um, but 
if you know if you even if you look at their Instagram now, you can really tell that they're really just more about you know showing everybody how it's just kind of the everyday raver and how you can look good in wearing you know their products or or any products at that matter um because I feel like you know several years ago it was more about just kind of showing who looked good in their product or who looked the best in their product or who was going to get, you know, the most likes. And now it's just more about just the everyday raver and and more just kind of like regular people, I guess. And um, so that's been really good kind of being able to see them as a brand and how they're growing and changing. Right. And I think that is so great that companies now are more receptive to showing, you know, the everyday raver. And um, you mentioned earlier that companies were showing who looked good or whatever, but who looks good is so subjective. It, it, it's, it's like uh, beauty, you know, beauty is in the eye of the eye of the beholder. So what one person may think, um, may think, you know, what one person might think looks good might not necessarily look great to someone else. So even then it's like, if you try to appeal to all the masses, you, you, you will, but it's so subjective, but, but I think trying to appeal to all the masses in this way by showing, uh, different, you know, body, body types, races, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think that that's just so great. And I know during this time it can be hard and, I want to say that this, these things won't necessarily happen overnight and that, that it's progressive and that it's important to realize that yes, changes are being made, but you can't expect everything to change drastically like by tomorrow, you know? And I think that sometimes some people forget that, but taking a step back and realizing, Hey, we're trying. I think that is just so important and is something that um, should be touched upon. And I think that it's, it's definitely something that in our lifetime is being acknowledged. And I just think it's so great that some companies are, are going forward in that route, showing different, um, you know, different faces, whatever. And it's, you know, in the end, that's what raving is about. It's just diversity, different people, your everyday raver, whatever. And, it's, it's so, I know it's touchy and this isn't what, this isn't what this podcast really is about, but at the same time it is because in the end, you know, we're all family and you want to include everybody. And I think that that's what really matters. And that's what raving is all about and what even brings us here in the first place besides music. Yeah, exactly. I mean, cause you know, like, like you said, it, it's kind of why a lot of people, used to say that they would go to raves because they felt like, you know, they could go and really just be themselves and nobody was really there to kind of judge them. And, you know, I, I feel like that's something that we, like, like you said, are, are, we're getting better at that and, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but we, 
you know, we, we want people to, to feel that way. You know, we, we want them to feel like, you know, they can come to a rave and we aren't judging them. You know, if you, if, if you feel good and what you're wearing, then, you know, wear it and own it. And people are going to come up to you and tell you that you look great and tell you that you're beautiful. And those are things that I feel like happen at raves that I almost wish would happen more outside in the real world too. You know, have you ever had somebody just come up to you just at the grocery store and tell you that you're beautiful? No, <laughs> but is it going to happen at a rave? Most likely somebody's going to come up and say that they like something about you or what you're wearing or, and it just puts you in a good mood. And you know, who doesn't like hearing that? Right. And I think that it's just so, that's why so many people love it because it's this, it's this unreal utopia. It's something that we all realize the world could actually be if we tried, if we put certain things aside. And I think that's why festivals are just this important getaway where we can all just find peace, love, acceptance, even if it is only for three days. And that's why people are so hardcore about, you know, getting that vacation off, um, planning out like everything, like flights, uh, Airbnbs, whatever, and just really making it such a big thing because in the end, it's so worth it when you finally do go. And um, like pretty much receive all these genuine compliments, these beautiful interactions. And I think that's something that is so important. And that's why I think even for you and I, we've been raving for, um, I want to say like close to 10 years, um, 2011, maybe 2010. Mm-hmm. So it's just, there's a reason why we keep coming back after a decade or more. And I thought that maybe eventually I would grow out of this. I would not want to go to raves or shows anymore, but uh, that's obviously not the case. And there's so many reasons why, but back to, to what we were talking about. I think that it is going in the direction that, that I think we can all agree with, but I know that things like this take time and you can't expect drastic change overnight, but I think you can take the steps going forward to help with that, to help contribute, to, to make that change. So it's, it can, it can be really touchy and strange. And I know people have their opinions, whatever, but I think that in the end, we all want the same thing. So I guess it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I agree that you know, like you said, in in the end, we all want the same thing. So I think if everybody just kind of thinks about it in that aspect, then, you know, like you said, we can just keep moving forward. Yes. And I think that, uh, for example, um, I know that you have this awesome following. Have you been, um, like vocal about anything that's been going on? I think that as influencers, influencers, quote unquote, I think that it, it's so great when I see other people uh, being active in terms of uh, like telling people to vote or sharing, sharing all these uh, places that support Black Lives Matter or, or basically telling people, informing people about COVID and precautions, um, have you 
have you seen anything like that that has inspired you or have you done any of that yourself on your platform? I was just curious because I actually don't know. So I just uh, <laughs> wanted to see. Yeah. Um, I mean, some, you know, some, some things I do kind of, uh, it, if, if I feel like it's something that is really kind of pulling at people's opinions, um, I do tend to stay um, quiet just because, you know, I do have my own opinions on things, but I feel like if I just put my opinion out there, um, that, you know, you're always going to get somebody that's going to disagree with your opinion because it is an opinion and that's how that works. Um, but I'm just not really the, the type to kind of like spark that conversation. Um, and, you know, I, I just kind of, I'm just kind of the person where, you know, I have an opinion, you have an opinion and, you know, sometimes you're just going to agree to disagree and that's okay. Um, so, right. No, that's perfectly okay. You're, you can yeah. have your own opinion for sure. Yeah. But I mean, as, yeah, as far as, you know, voting and, and doing things like that, um, you know, I, I feel like Instagram makes it so easy now to, you know, just find a post that kind of speaks to you or, or that says something and to just kind of repost it and put it back out there. Um, so I do, um, you know, I do put those things on my Instagram just to kind of um, support. I know that when we were having the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you know, I was uh, putting things out there to, you know, again, not really to kind of show my opinion, but just to kind of, I think really just to give people information, because I think that's where a lot of, you know, opinions are formed. They're formed without enough information. And so I'm more about, you know, just kind of putting out the information so that you can then form your own opinion from that information. Because, you know, there's a lot of information and even on Instagram that, because like I said, it is so easy to just repost something. But sometimes if you don't look at what's behind that post and get the additional information um, that, you know, you'll get a lot of people just kind of reposting things um, and it does not have all the information. So a lot of the times I'll look for more of, um, you know, things that have that additional information so that people can form their own opinions, like I said. Right. I think what you said, it hits, hits the nail on the head 100%. For sure, because if if you only see one thing, let's say you see, let's say you see a picture of a flower and it's zoomed in on that flower, it looks like this beautiful, happy photo, right? But then if you zoom out and see more of the picture, and for example, let's say there was a rain cloud raining on top of that flower, that picture is no longer just happy, like how it was zoomed in on just the flower, because now when it's zoomed out. You can see the the rain cloud raining on that flower, and it gives you a little bit more perspective in terms of what is going on. And I think that it's great that you're providing all these resources on your platform for people to form their own opinions. Because a lot of times what I think happens is so-and-so says this, and then XYZ followers, whatever, believe them, which you you have your own you can, that's it, that's your choice, whatever. But if you don't go out there and do the research and basically find different sources of information because of a bias or because 
they're not telling the whole story, then people can for sure get misled. And I think that's one of the big problems with social media and algorithms. And it's just so hard to find things that are accurate sometimes. And and in a way, am I saying that I know everything because I definitely don't, but I think it's important for people to, to find research, to, to look around as you would with, with anything else, like, you know, buying a house or, or buying a car, you, you won't just go with whatever your dad said was good, right? You would go out there and see what other people have said. So I think that's really important, but I think it's so great that you have been providing people with resources on your platform and just really voicing out, well, not necessarily voicing, but just trying to help people form their own opinions, which I think is so important in this day and age, especially with technology. Yeah. So anyways, I just want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. I, I really uh, did enjoy our conversation and I, I feel like whenever we meet at a festival, it's usually short lived, not because we don't want to see each other, but it's normally because I feel like whenever we have seen each other in person, it's always like in passing or we're about to catch a set or one of us is uh, busy doing whatever. And I just, I wish that I could hang out and, and see you more. Cause I think that you're just so great and you're, you're so fun. And, um, I wish you lived closer. <laughs> I know I've, I've, I do feel like I'm kind of one of the few, um, I guess, I don't know, influencer ravers that's in Texas. Um, <laughs> but cause there's really not a whole lot going on over here. Um, mostly everything's over there in California. Um, but you know, I, I do fly out and, and go to shows all over the place. Cause like I said, it's something that I enjoy doing traveling and I feel like I get to kind of use it as an excuse to travel. <laughs> so especially when, you know, we get to go over to Europe and to go to Tomorrowland. So Wait, so are you go Europe? Are you going to EDC Portugal? So I did I did see that. Um it's definitely something that I've thought about. <laughs> um, but it's not like a you know, a for sure. Right. I think with with the way things are going up going about now, I think it's hard to say what exactly or which festivals exactly we're going to. Would you do you have any that you have like in mind where you where you're like, okay, when tickets come out for this, I'm definitely going. I think was it is it Izu that's happening in Cancun? Yeah, Izu and Spring Awakening. Yes, those are the ones that I had my eyes on because <laughs> I'm definitely a tropical type of person. So you say Cancun and I'm there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. When they released the, um, when they basically made the announcement about Spring Awakening Cancun, I was like, oh my God, what are the deets? And I looked and it's honestly a really great deal for a four-day festival and an all-inclusive resort with uh, like the parties and the activities. I It's something that I'm definitely looking at. It's just without having the lineup released, it's so hard to, to commit, at least for me. Yeah, no, I feel that. Um, the funny thing was actually that when we saw the announcement that they were going to Cancun and we looked up the resort that's in Cancun, we actually just went to that resort 
last Christmas. So I know everything about the resort, <laughs> all the restaurants, I know where to go. <laughs> um, so I thought, well, that was kind of a plus. Yeah. Are you talking about Grand Oasis or Crystal? Yes. Or Yeah, it's called the Grand Oasis. Yeah, that's where we stayed last Christmas. Oh, nice. I Okay, I'll have to to talk to you a little bit more about it because I, it's something that I definitely want to look into. Yeah. And it, and I know why they picked that location because it, it's actually a location and it has a giant, um, basically like DJ stage that is backed up to the ocean and then the crowd faces the ocean and it has, you know, just levels where you can just have people with day beds kind of. Um, and it, 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 they actually would have a lot of their spring break would be at that location. So it's kind of made to be kind of a party hotel. Oh my gosh. I did not know that. I'm going to have to look more into it because I, I just literally read the thing for spring awakening and I was like, Oh, Grand Oasis, it seems cool. Let me, let me check this out. I had no idea that they did spring breaks there or anything. Yeah. It's like the one of it's I'm, I'm pretty sure it's one of the number one hotels in Cancun where they have spring break because it's, it's made for it basically. Okay. Awesome. Well, Brianna, thank you so, so much for being on best candy ever. Is there anything you want to share with, viewers like where they can find you I don't know if you have like TikTok or any other platforms that you're on um yeah I mean my Instagram is my biggest platform and it's just blissful.owl and you can actually find me on that on pretty much everything on TikTok it's blissful.owl on Snapchat it's (laughs) blissful.owl awesome well Brianna thank you so freaking much for being on the show and sharing your amazing candies and memories with us. Also, uh, for you candy fam, um, if you guys have time, I would really appreciate it. If you can please, please, please rate and review Best Candy Ever on iTunes. Also, uh, give Best Candy Ever a follow on Twitter, Instagram. And if you're watching from YouTube, please hit that like button and subscribe. And if you guys have any candies that you want to share, as long as Um, as well as some awesome memories, um, go ahead and DM me on Best Candy Ever on Twitter or Instagram. So once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you, Brianna, for being on the show. And I'll see you guys next time. Love you all.